Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your, I am your host, Paul Gant. Paul Gant. And for the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter, at GoForItGant. And while you're there, on Twitter, at GoForItGant, make sure you give me a follow. And I'll follow back. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And, and Thomas, we all know his story. And he had a great year this year for the Carolina Panthers. And the Carolina Panthers, even though, you know, they had their struggles throughout the course of this season, they were able to ultimately make the playoffs, sub-500, but they made the playoffs and ultimately won a round and got to the divisional round and gave Seattle a pretty good football game until the end there. But they played Seattle tough. But we're going to talk to Thomas, get his thoughts on the Super Bowl, thoughts on the season. And, uh, you know, he's up for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, so – Get his feelings on that. You know, maybe he'll get it this time around, second time, second year in a row that he's up for that award. So maybe he'll get it this time around. Um, so we'll see what happens with Thomas Davis. Also expected to be joined by Charles Johnson of the Minnesota Vikings. Charles Johnson, you know, he, he came on the season for the Minnesota Vikings and surprised a lot of people. You know, he, he took Cordell Patterson's job. And, you know, he, he surprised a lot of people. He made plays for the Minnesota Vikings this season. Made some plays. And, uh, you know, he was a big reason why the Minnesota Vikings were 7-9. They were an improved football team. And Charles Johnson was one of the reasons for that. We'll talk to Charles as well. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rove, he's out there in Phoenix. We're going to get his thoughts on the Super Bowl. What do you think is going to happen? What are the keys to this game? Who wins? Who loses? Marshawn Lynch, his situation. We'll talk to Willie about all that. And as we go throughout the course of this show, you're going to get my take on Marshawn Lynch and what I feel about the whole situation. And, uh, you know, I'll give you my thoughts there. Some of the keys to this big football game, I'll talk about that as well. Uh, The NBA All-Star game, that came out, you know, and we got a lot of people talking about snubs and who should have been there and who wasn't there, and I'm going to talk about that. You're going to get my take on who should have been there. And, uh, you know, and, and here's the thing about All-Star Games. Before I get into that, I'm not going to get into it now, but here's the thing about All-Star Games. Everybody can't go. That's the reality of the situation. But we'll talk about that as well. we got a lot of things to talk about. Mayweather-Pacquiao could be on the way. According to Bob Arum, a deal is imminent, but we're going to talk about that as well. The Super Bowl is upon us. Finally, two weeks of hype, two weeks of talk, two weeks of it all is finally going to culminate on Sunday night when we finally see Seattle against the New England Patriots. Done are the talk 
of the flake gate, of, of deflated balls and deflated footballs and 12.5 and 13.5 PSIs and 10.5 PSIs and ounces and weights of football. That's done. We're not talking about that no more. We're done with that. It's time to get down to the business. It's time to get down to the nitty-gritty. It's time to get down to this particular football game. And, you know, we had media day. We had all the talk about Marshawn Lynch. Should he talk? Shouldn't he talk? What is he talking about? He doesn't care. You know, he's just trying not to get fined. I mean, we, we, we talked about all that. But it's time to get onto this football field. And it's time to see who is going to win. Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Tom Brady and Belichick together for their sixth Super Bowl. Can Brady get number four? You get number four, now you become a, you, you, you're a rarefied heir. You become Bradshaw and Montana-like. We start talking to you and talking about you in those terms. Tom Brady, if he gets that fourth one, you got to talk about the greatness of Tom Brady. If he gets number four, he's up there. And, and I think he's already up there to begin with, but that cements his legacy. Fortunately for Tom Brady, Eli Manning is not on the other side of the field because Eli Manning has found ways to beat Brady not once but two times. But Tom Brady is on the other side. of the, You know, Tom Brady has another opportunity to get four. Six Super Bowl, That that's impressive. It doesn't get much better than six Super Bowl appearances. And the one constant throughout the course of Brady, uh, of the Patriots' run and the Patriots' success over the years is Brady, is Belichick, and that constant continues on and on and on, and who knows when it's going to stop. But the Patriots are here, and the Seattle Seahawks, they're coming back, looking to repeat, looking to be the first team to repeat since the Patriots did it. So they're looking to be Patriot-like, but they're looking to repeat. And throughout the course of this run with the Seahawks, I mean, it started off slow. We had our doubts whether they could do it. They started off slow, but they finished strong, winning nine in the final ten games. They finished strong. And then in these playoffs against the Green Bay Packers, obviously down 19-7, to we started to have their doubt, our doubts about the Seahawks. But they proved us wrong one more again as they come back, even after uh, Russell Wilson has his worst game ever. They come back and they find a way to win and find a way to get back to this point, get back to the Super Bowl. It's difficult to win one Super Bowl, but it's even more difficult to win it one more again. It's even more difficult to win it twice, back-to-back. That's difficult. But the Patriots, uh, the Seahawks, excuse me, they ride that defense. They ride their running game. They ride their quarterback, and they're here. They're here. And the funny thing is, last year, you know, when we kept, when we talked about Broncos, Seahawks, the talk was Marshawn Lynch, Marshawn Lynch. They gotta, the, the key to this game is the Broncos have to stop Marshawn Lynch. And truth be told, Marshawn Lynch really wasn't a factor last year in that Super Bowl. I mean, Marshawn Lynch only had 39-yard rushing. So he really wasn't a factor in that game. Last year for the Seahawks, it was all about a dominating defensive performance. I mean, they beat down Peyton Manning and that Denver Bronco team. They beat them down. Actually, the leader rusher for the Seahawks in the Super Bowl last year was Percy Harvin. And Percy Harvin, what? 
played, what, two games in that season. They dusted him off, and he came out there, had a kickoff return, had some plays in the run game, had a 30-yard run, and, you know, Seattle was taken off, and, they, and the Wilson made the plays, and that defense made the plays, and, you know, Seattle ultimately dominated. But that game was more so about not Marshawn Lynch, not Russell Wilson. That game was about the dominance of that Seahawks defense. That game was about the dominance of the Seahawks defense. And they had Peyton Manning under pressure throughout the course of that football game. Peyton Manning was not comfortable. And because Peyton Manning was not comfortable, he had a hard time making the plays necessary in order for the Denver Broncos to be successful. I'm interested now. Bill Belichick now, he has two weeks to, to scheme. Two weeks. Two weeks to figure out what he can do to shut down Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. Two weeks to figure out how he can help his offense combat him and Josh McDaniels. They can help this offense combat the Seattle Seahawks defense in the Legion of Boom. Here's one thing for sure. If you're Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, you for sure have to go after Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas. You gotta you gotta go after these guys. You gotta test these guys. Test their ability to tackle. We saw Earl, uh, uh, Richard Sherman make a tackle against Jordy Nelson over the middle, and he was in a lot of pain after that tackle. And uh, and I talked about it last week, but I don't understand why Rodgers and McCarthy didn't go after. Richard Sherman, I mean, he was holding his arm in a sling. It was almost like he had a sling on. They should have just put a sling on him the way he was holding his arm. And so he, Richard Sherman, couldn't do much. And he said it after the game, he wasn't sure he could even lift his arm. He wasn't even sure. So Bill Belichick, Tom Brady, that's one place they need to go. That's one place they need to test. They need to test Richard Sherman. They need to test Earl Thomas. They need to see if that elbow of Richard Sherman is right. They need to see if that shoulder of Earl Thomas is right. Those are the things that they need to see. They need to see those things. And and I believe Brady and Belichick are going to try to see if those things, those elbows and those shoulders are right of Earl Thomas, are right Richard Sherman. Also, another thing, you know the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots definitely got to run, try to run this football. And they had so much success with LeGarrette Blunt last week, again, two weeks ago against the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, he had a dominating performance against the Indianapolis Colts. That run game was dominant. That run game had success. That run game was tough to stop for the Indianapolis Colts. The Seahawks is a different defense. But I will say this. Packers had some success. Over 100 yards against the, the, the Seahawks on the ground. Four yards per carry. Carolina had some success on the ground against the Seahawks. Averaging also over four yards per carry in those games. So the thing about it is this. The thing about it is this. There's 
I, I think New England can have some success running the ball against the Patriots. I mean, against the uh, Seahawks. I think they can. And I think they're going to have to try to establish it. They're going to give it a shot, for sure. They're going to give it a shot. I'm interested to see also with these linebackers and these safeties against Gronk and, and whether or not they can limit Rob Gronkowski. Last time Gronk was in the Super Bowl, he was limited. This is a healthy Gronk. This is a dominating Gronk who had a dominating playoff performance, who was very successful in these playoffs. Gronk. The question becomes now, can Seattle shut down Gronk? Can Seattle shut down Gronk? And that should be interesting. That should be very interesting. So it's a lot of things that we need to see. There's a lot of things that can happen. There's a lot of things that will happen. And this is one of those games where last year I came, I was in this position when I had the when I had the Broncos and the Seahawks in the Super Bowl. I went with the Broncos. I didn't believe in Seattle. I just thought Denver had that thing about them. I thought the way they were playing, they were playing some pretty good football in those playoffs a year ago, and I just liked the way they were playing. And I thought that would be it. I thought they, and I guess at the time, I really didn't. I didn't say I don't. I didn't believe in that Seahawks defense, but that Seahawks defense really truly opened my eyes in that particular football game. It opened my eyes big time, and they shut them down. Will they do it? This, I mean, that's Manning. This is Brady. Brady is one of the best quarterbacks ever. Brady is that guy. And probably the best quarterback, what, in the last 25 years. Best quarterback in the league in the last 25 years. And this guy, his ability in big game situations, his ability to make things happen, it's going to be on display. We'll see. We'll see. But I believe more so in Brady than I do in, in Manning. And so that's the question here, and that's what's kind of kind of having me on the fence here. The flake gate, to me, benefits the Patriots because I believe that gives them an extra piece of motivation. So the flake gate, I think, favors the uh, New England Patriots. And then the, the notion of Brady and Belichick losing three Super Bowls and being sub, being a five hundred, being five hundred in Super Bowls if they lose this game. That's a, a, another thing that is on my mind. That's another thing that's that's that I'm thinking about as I go through and look at this particular football game. I'm torn. I'm torn. Even when I do give a pick in this particular game, on this particular game, about this particular game, I can't definitively say 100% that I totally and truly believe in the pick. I can't say it. I can't definitively say that Seattle's going to win. I can't definitively say that New England is going to win. These are two teams, tough teams to bet against. I'm glad I'm not a gambler because this is a game that I would stay very, very far, far, far away. This is a game I wouldn't even touch with a 10-foot pole. No, 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 no. It's just too much. It's just too many variables to me. It's just too... Betting against Belichick and Brady. Betting against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks defense. I mean, two teams that are tough. Two teams 
that have heart, two teams that overcame rough early season starts, and two teams that finished strong. Two teams that finished strong. In the playoffs, you can argue the Patriots were stronger. Based off, I mean, the Ravens game, that was a close game, a tough game, but the Ravens always give the Patriots trouble. And then they just throttled the Indianapolis Colts, beat them down. And then you look at uh, you look at the game with Seattle and Carolina. I mean, Carolina stuck around that football game for, for a period of time. They had shots in that game, a couple plays here, a couple plays there, but they were in that football game. And then uh, Green Bay and Russell Wilson throwing the four picks and Green Bay pretty much an uh, uh, onside kick recovery away from being in this position. We probably should be talking about Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. That's what we probably should be talking about. But Seattle made the plays, a tough football team with a tough-minded defense. And, you know, you, you say New England and what they bring to the table offensively, you would say New England have an advantage offensively because they have the better quarterback, and they probably have the better offensive weapons. Close, but I think I would give the edge to New England. And so with that being said, with that being said, it's going to be interesting because last week, two weeks ago, the Seahawks' defense, five turnovers they, uh, their offense gave. Five turnovers. Turned the ball over five times, but it only led to six points. That's because of this Seahawks defense. That's because of the Seahawks defense. This prolific Green Bay Packers offense only put the ball in the end zone one time, and this was an offense that had a lot of opportunities early in that football game. But they couldn't cash in. They couldn't cash in. You know why they couldn't cash in? Because of this Seahawks defense and what this defense brings to the table and this defense's ability to stop people. They stop people, and that's what they did. They stopped. Green Bay. They stopped them. And so with that being said, would believe the way the Seahawks defense has been playing in these playoffs and the way they've been playing near the end of the season, near the end of their regular season into the playoffs, this defense has been dominating. And they've been holding teams down, holding them down. And so with that being said, who I, I think this Seahawks obviously this Seahawks defense is going to keep this offense in the game, and you can even argue Russell Wilson, his four interceptions. That's an aberration. That, based off what we see, based off what we see, that's an aberration. That that's not something you're going to see a lot when it comes to Russell Wilson. He has shown the ability to protect the football throughout the course of the season. Only seven interceptions. So he's, he protects the football. He protects the football. So with that being said, don't expect four interceptions again. And even if he throws four interceptions, like we saw, and even if they fumble once, like we saw with Doug Baldwin on that kickoff, even if all these things happen, this defense, for Seattle has shown us that they can shut you down and kick and make you kick field goals, and that's what they did. They made Mason Crosby kick field goals, and because they made Mason Crosby kick field goals, that's one of the reasons they are here today. 
because they made Mason Crosby kick not one, not two, not three, not four, not four, but five field goals. You're kicking five field goals. You're wasting opportunities, a lot of opportunities. And you waste those type of opportunities, especially against the Seattle Seahawks, especially in the playoffs, especially against a good football team. You can't waste opportunities against good football teams because if you waste opportunities against good football teams, good football teams find ways, they find ways to bite you in the butt. It bites you in the butt eventually if you continue to not cash in on turnovers, if you continue to be stopped at the goal line a couple times. You know, you can't, you can't, you can't. When it's difficult to win. It's difficult to win in this league to begin with. It's even more difficult to win in Seattle, and it's even more difficult to win against a team as good as the Seattle Seahawks. So with that being said, this is going to be, to me, this is not going to be a shootout, obviously. This is going to be a game where I think it's going to be in the 20s. I think the winning team is going to score 20. I think the losing team is going to be in the teens. I think the winning team will be in the 20s. The losing team will be in the teens. The question becomes, who will be that winning team? Who will be the losing team? And that is something that we'll discuss moving forward. But let's go to Marshawn Lynch, beast mode. And we made so much and talked so much about him and his media unavailability, and, and him not wanting to talk to the media, and him not wanting to, to talk to the, to the press, him not wanting to talk at, the, at media day. I'm here so I won't get fined. I'm here so I won't get fined. Those are the words of Marshawn Lynch. And I get it. I understand it. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. Here's the thing about it. When you are an NFL player, what's in your contract, it stipulates that you have to have availability for the media, that you have to talk. And, And so this is a part of his duties as an NFL player. This is his duty as an NFL player. I'm here so I won't get fined. I get that. I get it. I know you don't want to give out, give away your money, Marshawn. Nobody wants to give away their money. Even though you like grabbing your crotch, that's costing you some money. Even though you were not available to the media throughout points of this season, which costs you some money. So these things are costing you money. So, I mean, here's the thing. I get where Marshawn Lynch is coming from. I understand it, but this is a part of his job. So whether he hates it or loves it, it's a part of his job, and everybody has an aspect of their job that if they could, if they could give it up, they'd give it up today. they give it up in a heartbeat. Boom. If I don't have to do this, then I don't, well, I, I'm, I'll give it up tomorrow. I'll get it right now. And if those aspects of their job – would make the job perfect. 
But as we go and know and know about society and learn about the world, there is no perfect. So every good has a bad. Every sweet has a level of sour. And so with all that being said, Marshawn Lynch has to deal with the sweet and the sour. He's got to take the bitter with the sweet. He has to. He's got to take the bitter with the sweet. The sweet is the money. The $31 million contract, $6 million he's making this year. The sweet is playing a game that you love. The sweet is winning Super Bowls. The sweet is having a beautiful lifestyle, big, beautiful home, nice cars. The sweet is being able to take care of possibly generations of lynches. The sweet is being in the National Football League. The sour for Marshawn Lynch is that you don't have the privacy that you once had. You got to talk when you don't want to talk. You got to deal with people that you don't want to deal with. Those are all the sour. Those are all the bitter. Those are the things that you have to deal with when you're an NFL player, when you're, when you're in professional sports. The media theoretically is there in some respect to promote what you do. So in some respect, it's helping you. It's helping you. If nobody covered your games, then how would people know? If ESPN.com is not writing stories about your games, then who's going to care? If if people are, are just not caring about the NFL, if no media person covers the NFL, no media person covers the NFL, then what happens to the league? Who covers the league? Who gives the league prominence? Who gives the league uh, promotion? This is a part of his job. I know he's promoting a lot of beast mode hats. A lot of beast mode hats, they're, they're, they're running off the shelf. What, sold out on the website? They're, they're, they're selling like hotcakes. But here's the thing, at the end of the day, Marshawn Lynch, to me, this is the the, the sour part of his job. This is the bitter part of his job. And this is the part of his job that he has to learn to deal with. Now, I understand he goes up there, hey, I'm here, so I won't get fined. I get that. But here's the thing. You can do the bare minimum, bare minimum. Of course, they want more, but at the end of the day, you're giving them what you're giving them. So, you had a time, you know, on your phone for five minutes. So time it for five minutes. Go up there, answer whatever questions they ask you, answer them, do what you got to do. Five minutes is up. You roll out. I'm not saying be extra accessible. I'm not saying doing a bunch of sit-downs, doing radio interviews. I'm not saying any of that. All I'm saying is do what you're obligated to do, the bare minimum. Do the bare minimum. And get out. It's a part of your job. Whether you like it, whether you hate it, whether you love it, it's a part of your job. And some people love it. Some some people love it more than others. Some people love it more than others. I get it. I get it. 
I get it very much so. And, and so, Marshawn Lynch, to me, though, it's his contract. It's his contract he has to do. It. Bottom line. He signed the deal. He signed the contract. He agreed to it. The stipulations. Go do it. But as I, I want to bring this up. Richard Sherman brings up a great point about Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell should be as accessible, Richard Sherman says. And I'm paraphrasing. But he's right. When all these things were going on with Ray Rice and the videos and the video that came out and, and things of that nature, where was Roger Goodell? We kept saying, well, all these things are going on, but Roger Goodell is not talking. Roger Goodell is not being accessible to the media. Where was Roger Goodell when all these things were going on? We had questions about how you boggled and, 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 and bundled and bungled and messed up the investigation with Ray Rice. How you just messed that investigation up. How that was a horrible investigation. Richard Sherman said every one of the NFL personnel should be obligated to speak weekly. And I think he has a point. I think he has a point. And in some respect, should we be finding Roger Goodell? Because he's not accessible. Should we be finding him for not being accessible? And I get it. I get it. I get it, man, very much so. But at the end of the day, Richard Sherman brings a great point up. It is a contradiction that Roger Goodell was gone. We couldn't find him. There was an APB out for Roger Goodell. We couldn't find him. Where's Roger? How come he's not talking? We have so many questions and no answers. The head of the National Football League, had, we had so many questions for him, but no answers. We got nothing. We got nothing. And then he had this big press conference. But Roger Goodell was not talking, MIA. He was MIA. And so it is a conflict. It is a contradiction that we expect Marshawn Lynch to speak. We expect Marshawn Lynch to be available to the media, but do we expect the same of our commissioner? It's a con it is a contradiction. It's a big-time contradiction. Roger Goodell didn't get fined for not talking during the whole Ray Rice situation. He didn't get fined. So it is. It, I mean, it is. But at the end of the day, we're talking about Marshawn Lynch. It's in his contract. It stipulates that he has to talk. Because it's in his contract that he has to talk, he should talk. And I think he should give a little more than, I'm here so I won't get fined. I, I think he should give a little more than that. But that's just my opinion. And, you know, some like I said, some guys are more talkative than others. Some guys are more willing to talk. Some guys are. And so you look at the situation. You look at the situation with Marshawn Lynch. I don't know if we'll ever talk with the funny part and the interesting part and the thing that would make for good television, what if Marshawn Lynch wins the MVP of the game? 
What if he wins the MVP? And <laughs> he wins the MVP, and he has to speak. He has to talk. What happens there? <laughs> what happens there? Now you're talking about a, a, a situation now that would make for interesting TV. Would Marshawn Lynch at that point talk? What would he say? Would he just say, I'm here so I won't get fined? Will he say, you know why I'm here? Will he say, I'm here so I won't get fined? Will he say, you know why I'm here? Will he just repeat it? Will he just repeat it over and over again? I'm here so I won't get fined. Thank you. I won the Super Bowl MVP. I'm on this podium so I won't get fined. That should be interesting. We'll see what beast mode, Marshawn Lynch does in that particular situation. When we come back, we'll be joined by Thomas Davis of the Carolina Panthers. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It. Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but that doesn't see mean anything in the playoffs time. In the playoffs time, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just yeah, don't know yeah, what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's not right. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- we're gonna be we're back and we're gonna bring in a guy now who had a very good season for the Carolina Panthers. Over a hundred tackles, two and a half sacks. A very successful season, one of the reasons that the Carolina Panthers were able to make it to the playoffs and able to make it to the divisional round of the playoffs. Let's bring him in now, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers, Thomas Davis. Thomas. What's going on? How are you, man? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thank you, man. Let's get right down to it, Thomas. You're out there in the Super Bowl, but you played the Seahawks. You you played the Seahawks. You know what this team is all about. Talk about what you think the Patriots need to do to beat the Seahawks. Um, I think first and foremost, um, they're going to have to do a great job versus the run. You know, it's been talked about all week long, and, you know, everybody's seen what Marshawn Lynch is capable of doing to the football team. So if you allow him allow them to get their running game going, it's going to be a tough day for New England. How do you see it playing out? Who wins the game? on the health of Richard Sherman and Earl Thomas for me. If those guys are healthy, then I think Seattle has a chance to repeat. But if they're not, then I think the Patriots can definitely take it. So hypothetically speaking, Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman are fairly healthy. Who wins? I just told you. If I, I okay. think if those guys are healthy, then they're going to win. Okay. So you got Seattle if those guys are healthy. You're you're in Arizona, man. You're having a good time out there. And you're in line for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. This is your second time being nominated for this award, you along with Aaron Rodgers and Anquan Bolden. What would it mean to you to win this award? Say that again? What would it mean for you to win the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award? What would that mean to you? 
I mean, it would be a, a huge honor. You know, it's, it's definitely one of the top individual awards that a player can receive in this league. And, you know, it speaks to the work that you've done in the community as well as your on-the-field play. So it will be a huge honor. And I think, you know, just for the city of Carolina, for me to come away with that, that award, I think it will raise a lot of awareness to the work that we've been able to do in the community. And, you know, ultimately, hopefully, it will get people to start um, recognizing what we're doing and, you know, be willing to donate to help us out. For sure. And, Thomas, sometimes in the bad, there's a lot of good. And you tore your ACL three times. But you actually believe on some level that, in a lot of ways, it was a blessing in disguise. Talk about that. Yeah, my body has taken the pounding that, you know, a 10-year guy at linebacker would have taken over this time. And, you know, my, my body just feels refreshed. And I think that it's definitely helped me out um, in the long run. And I think I've added years to my career because my body has taken that pounding. We're talking to Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And, Thomas, next season you're scheduled to make $7.5 million, which will count $10 million against the cap. Do you feel like an extension will happen for you? Do you think something will happen on the extension front? Uh, you know, I really, I'm not sure what's going to happen at this point, but right now I can tell you I'm excited to be a Carolina Panther and you know, I'm going to finish my career as a Panther. So whatever happens between now and then, then, you know, we'll just see what happens. For sure. Let me ask you this. Now, if Carolina comes at you with a certain type of number, a number that you don't like, and I know you've been on record as saying you want to be with the Carolina Panthers, you want to end your career with the Carolina Panthers, but it is a business. So if the numbers don't look right, would you be open to playing elsewhere? No, I ain't playing the well. Um, I think my play has warranted a certain um, number. Yes. You know, and I know my team. They're a fair bunch, and they're going to do a great job of taking care of our players. Let me ask you this now. Two straight appearances, two losses in the divisional round. Record-wise, you guys took a step back this season. But how close are you guys to the Super Bowl? Um, I, I think we are a couple pieces away. You know, I think we showed that this year. And it's all about us, you know, making some moves this offseason, which our general manager has already said he's going to do, and, you know, continue to build off um, the way we finished our season last year. Do you feel like last season was a step back? even though you won the division, even though you got to the division round again? Not at all. I think we took a few steps forward, if you ask me, because just given the season and the way things went, um, the character of the guys on our team showed through. You know, when things were going bad, we never got down on each other. We never pointed fingers, and we stayed together. So I think that speaks to the true, box, to the true character of the men in the locker room. We're talking to Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And, Thomas, there was a lot of talk about you guys. You know, you guys made the playoffs, but you were a sub-500 team. People said, you know what, sub-500 teams don't deserve to make the playoffs. Did that kind of talk bother you? No, not at all. We never worry about what outside of say. You know, we stay focused on what we're doing in our locker room, and we stay focused on our group. And nobody gave us a chance to win that game um, against Arizona or against Atlanta. We won both of them. So, at the end of the day, it's all about how we play and what we do. Cam Newton, your quarterback, had an up-and-down season. But, again, he led you guys to the playoffs one more time. Do you feel like Cam is the guy to lead you guys to the Super Bowl? Absolutely. He's our franchise quarterback, and he's a guy that we believe in. And he stepped up and become a true leader for our team, and we're excited to have him. We're talking to Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. Thomas, looking back on it now, as we said, you tore your ACL three times. If I would have told you after you tore your ACL the third time that you would be back and even better, what would you have told me? I would have told you you was crazy. 
<laughs> probably like a lot of people would have. But, you know, um, I knew if it was possible, then I could do it. And it was going to be up to me to make it happen. And, you know, our trainers, they did a great job of, you know, putting the time in and putting the work in that we needed to do to get back to this point that we're at right now. And, you know, I'm just excited about moving forward with my career. How many years do you think you got left? Hey, um, I don't know. You know, I'm just going to take it one year at a time. And right now my body feels good. And, you know, I plan on playing until they tell me they don't want me anymore. We're talking to Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davidson. Thomas, one of the reasons that you are being nominated uh, for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is your work with the Defending Dreams Foundation. Tell us about it. Um, you know, we do a lot of work in the community here. In, well, not here, but there in Charlotte and um, Georgia and South Carolina as well. And we just try to make as big of an impact as we possibly can um, and do as much for the families as we can because we understand that there's a need. We understand that there's a lot of people that need help, and we just try to do our job and make sure that we're helping them. What would mean more to you, winning a Walter Payton Man of the Year award or winning the Super Bowl? Man, um, without a doubt, um, winning the Super Bowl because it's the ultimate right. team award, and I'm all about my team. You know, I want to do something that, that's going to last, make a lasting um, effect on the city of Carolina and and, you know, Mr. Richardson has been so good to all of us that's played for him, and we want to put that Super Bowl ring on his finger. So definitely winning that team award. Fans, make sure you hit this guy up on his website, defendingdreams.org. Support all the great things going on with the Defending Dreams Foundation. Also hit him up on Twitter at TD58SDTM and support all the great things going on with Thomas Davis. Thomas. A pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Good luck tomorrow night. Enjoy yourself out out in Arizona, and let's do it again. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Thomas Davis, linebacker for the Carolina Panthers. It's funny. This guy tore his ACL three times. Same knee. Unprecedented. And he comes back. And and he's he's playing big-time football. He's making – Big-time plays. And this was a guy, you know, you tear your ACL once, there's a possibility that you won't come back. You tear it twice in the same knee, you, you think it's a done deal. But he tore it three times. Three times. And still, after tearing it three times, he found a way to come on back and be better. I mean, he had a great season. A great season. The Panthers... You know, 7-8-1, but, you know, you do get to the playoffs. You do, and it's funny. Here, here's the thing. Here's the funny thing about sports. Here's the funny thing about sports. 7-8-1, right? Well, let's just say they're 6-8-1 before they go against the Atlanta Falcons. Hypothetically speaking, they lose the game. They miss the playoffs. We're talking about the Carolina Panthers season totally different than what we're talking about now. Totally different. I mean, Thomas Davis would have a different tone on the phone than he would. You know, he'd have a totally different tone because, you know, it, it would have been an absolute – it wouldn't have, it would not have been a success. Like you said, this season was a success for him. He, he felt like it was a success. He felt it was not a step back. It was a step forward. And it's funny. They lose that game. We're talking otherwise. But they win. They, they go against the Arizona Cardinals. They beat the Cardinals. And, and ultimately – they get to the divisional round. They play Seattle tough. 
They played Seattle very tough, and as far as I'm concerned, they were in that, they were at 17 to 10 in the third quarter. They were in that football game. A couple plays here, a couple plays there. Even you know they they were driving, and then Cam Chancellor gets that pick. If if they score there, they're they're down a touchdown, and then they're right in that particular football game. They're in that game. But Carolina, Cam Newton, that's the key. Your quarterback is he a franchise guy? That's going to be the question that will be answered. That's the question that will be answered in the, uh, well, I mean, he's coming back. I guess that's the point. That's a, It'll be answered. It'll be answered next season and beyond. He's coming back on that. He's going to make $14 million next year unless they do something with his contract. But he's scheduled to make $14 million. Scheduled to make $14 million. So we'll see what Karen Newton can do for the Carolina Panthers, and can he lead them back to the playoffs? Aaron Hernandez. It, 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 it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I, two years ago, if, if we told you, and if I, if you told me that Aaron Hernandez, while the Patriots were in the Super Bowl, would be on trial for murder, I would tell you you were absolutely crazy. On trial for murder and then indicted for another murder. I mean, wow. Wow. And the funny thing is, he was the guy that caught Tom Brady's last Super Bowl touchdown pass. He was the guy. He was the guy. So you go from that to being charged with murder in June of 2013. That's a fall from grace. That's a big fall from grace. You had a $40 million contract. You had signing bonus money. You had a pretty good life. You had a pretty good life. You had the sweet. You had a lot of sweet. A lot of sweet. A lot of money. You made a lot of money. You won. You were a success. You were one of the better tight ends of football. And now you're on trial for murder. You're on trial for murder. That's amazing. That's a, that's a, a fall. That's you know came from Bristol, Connecticut. Made his way up. Started from the bottom, made it to the top. Now back to the bottom. And I lived in Bristol. I lived in the, the on the in the mean streets of Bristol, Connecticut. I liked Bristol actually. It wasn't too bad. Not a good place when you're single. Not a good place when you're single. Trust me. You know, there was some lonely nights in Bristol, Connecticut. It's not a good place to be when you're single. But anyway, but anyway, you know, it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. And so, at the end of the day, it's amazing. It, it, it's crazy. It, it's stunning. It's a stunning fall from grace for Aaron Rodgers. How low can you go? How low can you go? And, and you know, I, I guess it'll end the lowest. I mean, he's in jail right now, but he, if he is convicted, excuse me, if he is convicted, then that's going to put, I guess, the, the nail in the coffin, if you will, in terms of this guy, Aaron Hernandez, in terms of, you know, his fall from grace. What a fall. What a fall. And we'll see. 
what happens. I mean, you know, you, you wonder if he can get off. But, you know, we still – I don't think we found the murder weapon yet. We still haven't found the murder weapon. So, you know, they're, they're – you know, they're, I mean, who knows? Who knows what happened? Who knows what happened? And, you know, it seems in terms of public – in terms of public, you, you get the sense that he did it. You know, public perception is that he did it. That's public perception. But, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens, and we'll see how it plays out. And we'll see what happens, and, and whether or not this guy ends up in jail. And, and, and what a fall, like I said, what a fall from grace that would be. Uh, uh, that would be amazing. Sad in a lot of ways. Richard Sherman, you know, Thomas Davis talked about the health, and, and I echoed that earlier. Talked about the health of Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman. If those guys are healthy, they have a shot. They win. If those guys are not healthy, they lose. But Richard Sherman, there's a possibility that health won't be the only thing that will affect Richard Sherman and keep Richard Sherman from uh, making an impact on Sunday's game. Richard Sherman's expected to have a baby. He's having a baby. And so this is his first child. This is their his first child, and so this is a Super Bowl, but this is his first child. This is his baby, but this is the Super Bowl. First child, Super Bowl. You worked so hard and so long to get to the Super Bowl. You worked so hard and long, in some respect, to have a baby. Uh, a child being with your spouse your significant other, in this, in this case, Richard Sherman's girlfriend, being with her during this time is very important. It's important for me when I saw my baby being born. It was important for me to be there, you know, for the support. Obviously, you can only do so much, but the support, the support it's that support. It's just being there. But here's the thing. Richard Sherman, life is football. His, his, his work, the things that he did, in the National Football League, kind of all your work that you put in to get to this point. I mean, you, you put in work after work after work. I mean, your arm was all messed up, and it was like it should be in a sling. You were holding your arm like it was in a sling, and you ultimately battle through that, and you get to this point. There's no guarantee that you'll ever get back to this point, but there also is no guarantee that you'll have another baby. No guarantee. I don't know what I would do in this particular situation if I'm Richard Sherman. Hypothetically speaking, you know, 3 o'clock on a Sunday, I'm going in. Baby, I'm going in. What do you do if you're Richard Sherman? Do you leave? Do you stay? Do you say, I'll be there after the game? What do you do? And so that's a decision that ultimately Richard Sherman and his girlfriend have to make. Richard Sherman and his girlfriend have to make that decision. They have to make that decision. And it's going to be a difficult decision. Ashley Moss, Richard Sherman, they have a decision to make. What does he do? Does he stick and stay? Or does he go on and play the game, play the Super Bowl, play a game, the biggest game, one of the biggest games of his career? He was there last year. But there's no bigger 
there's no bigger football game than the Super Bowl. He's got a decision to make. And so, obviously the decision, well, we'll know. We don't know what decision he made. Pete Carroll says it's up to him. He, he's leaving that decision up to Richard Sherman. That's his decision. That's his decision. But she did talk. She did talk. And she said, quote, we didn't expect it to be such a national story. Why not? Why not? She also went on to say that she didn't want to tell Richard Sherman that she was going into labor during the game. But according to her, according to her, they talked about it. And she says that she doesn't want to call him during the game. But he wants her to call. He wants her to call. Does he do it? Does she do it? Does she call? That's a difficult decision. And that's something that they have to figure out. Can they figure this out? They have to figure it out. And Richard Sherman, Ashley Moss, they have a decision to make. They have a decision to make. And... I'm glad that I don't have to make that decision. I'm glad that this is something I don't have to do. Because you play your whole life. You practice. You work hard your whole life for the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. You play, that's what you work hard for. As Bill Parcells would say, that's why you lift all those weights. That's why you do all those type of things. For the opportunity to play in the Super Bowl. That's why you do it. And so, I'm, I'm hope. here's what I hope. For his sake, her sake, and for the and sake, for the sake of their, family. of their family. I'm hoping the baby does not. I'm hoping that the baby is not born during the game. I'm hoping that that baby waits. I'm hoping that the baby waits. She went on to say he's very locked in. Football comes first. If she goes into labor during the game, she said, quote, I guess we'll have a Super Bowl, baby. And if you see Richard heading for the locker room right after it hit zero in the fourth quarter, don't be surprised. But Richard Sherman is not revealing anything. Richard Sherman is not revealing anything. And she insisted that she was going to the Super Bowl. She insisted that she would go. She insisted. They have a name. But they haven't determined well, at least they're not telling what the name is going to be. But they do have a name. Richard Sherman, as we said, has been quiet on this, tight-lipped. We don't know what Richard Sherman is going to do. But here's the thing. This is your baby. You don't, I mean, you're leaving your baby. That's a tough call. And that's a call 
that I think obviously is going to, something they're going to have to discuss and talk about and come up with a solution. But again, I hope it does. I hope for his sake that it doesn't come down to that because that was that, that would that would suck for him. That truly would suck for him because this is like I said, you work all your life to get into this position, all your life to 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 go to the Super Bowl. You've been there already, but all you know, you work hard this season, a whole year to get back to this point. And not many teams repeat in the Super Bowl. Not many teams go back-to-back Super Bowls. But at the end of the day, not many people get to see the birth. Of their, not, not many people have babies. There are a lot of people that don't have babies, that want babies. And so this is a, it's a gift to be able to have a child, and it's also a gift to be able to see the birth of your child and be there for your wife, your significant other during that time. Richard, and, again, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. I don't know. I'm just glad I'm not Richard Sherman. I'm just glad I'm not in this position. I'm just glad that I'm not having to deal with this. But Richard Sherman will have it. Here's my guess. Here's my guess. He ain't leaving the Super Bowl. He ain't leaving the Super Bowl. If if, if she goes into labor at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, you know, right before the national anthem and everything. He ain't leaving. And here's also the thing about labor. She could go into labor, but she could be in labor for hours upon hours upon hours. So just because she's in labor, the water breaks and all that stuff, and she's in labor, it doesn't mean that it's time. So she could theoretically go in labor at 6 o'clock and not drop until 6 o'clock the next morning. Or 6 o'clock the next day. So he'll have time. So the hope is for him that she is in labor for four hours. About five hours. Five to six hours. I don't know how close the hospital is to the, to the stadium or where the, how close the hospital would be to the stadium. But the hope for him is that it would be, you know, she'll, she'll, she'll go in, if she does go in labor at 6 o'clock, that she would be in labor for about five, six hours. That would be his hope. What if Richard Sherman won the MVP and his wife is in labor? Does Richard Sherman leave and, and run out like, hey, I got to go. My baby's being born. I got to get out of here. Thanks. Um, you know, I'll do I'm going to Disney World later or something in the locker room. Or let me do that real quick. I'm going to Disney World. And then he gets himself out of there. I mean, that, is that what he does? Is that what Richard does? Because he has a decision to make. And you wonder what that decision will be. But let's hope. Let's hope that he won't have to make that decision. Let's hope that it, it, everything will work out fine for him. Let's hope that it will not be an issue. Because you, you would hate to see a guy have to make that decision. You would hate to, It would be interesting from my standpoint because it's not my life. But from just, you know, you, you know, just being a human, you would hate to see that guy make a decision like that. And they have to make a decision and choose between the Super Bowl and his and the birth of his child. Second hour, go for it. Starts right now.
Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man Paulie G and Jeremy. Welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't mean anything. I was, trying to throw uh, you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You're, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. That's not Robbie. That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- second hour of Go For It. Starting right now in this second hour, we're expected to be joined by Minnesota Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson. He's down there in Arizona having a good time at the Super Bowl. We're going to talk to him. And we're also going to talk to Hall of Famer Willie Rose. Get Willie's take on the Super Bowl, ask Willie what he would do if he's Richard Sherman and he's in that situation where he has to choose and decide whether or not to be with the, your, your girlfriend your, during the birth of your child or to play in the Super Bowl if it came down to it. What would you choose? So Charles Johnson Willie Rofe in this second hour. Let's go to the NBA now. And yesterday, the All Star were named. And, you know, you look at this All Star situation, and every year we, we, we always have some people that deserve to be there and, and don't, don't end up making it. You know, we always have situations where guys who should be there, aren't there. And, and the thing about it is this. The thing about it is this. You, you, everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. Somebody got to stay home. It's an all-star game for a reason. It's the creme de la creme for a reason. It's the best of the best. But you look at a guy like Damian Lillard. He belongs. DeMarcus Cousins, and I know he's just been added after Kobe. Uh, was obviously Kobe can't play in the All-Star game because it's hurt. But he's just been added to DeMarcus Cousins. But he belonged there, 23 and 12. 23 and 12. But like I said, everybody can't go. Not everybody can go. Somebody got to stay home. Somebody has to stay home. And, you know, whether you're deserving or not deserving. And here's the thing in the, in the Western Conference, a guy like Damian Lillard, 
obviously on the surface he belongs in the All-Star game. But, again, you're in a Western Conference where you have Westbrook, Curry, Chris Paul. You have all those guys out there, all those guys, all those players, all those guys who, who, who are big-time players. you got all those guys there. Everybody can't go. Everybody can't go. And because everybody can't go, we're going to have this conversation year in and year out. Year in and year out, we're going to have the conversation, who deserves to be there? Who should have been there? This guy deserves to be there. This guy shouldn't be there. And you're always going to have these conversations because, more so than ever, because, well, the fans are voting. And the fans have always voted, but the fans are voting. And because the fans are voting, there's going to be guys who don't belong there. You got the Portland police who sent out a tweet yesterday. We may have to open a robbery investigation to how Dame Lillard of our trailblazers was left off the all-star roster. How they were left off. Tim Duncan, Cousins deserves to be there instead of him. I think that Dame Lillard belongs there over Chris Paul. Lillard and his Portland Trailblazers have a better record than the Clippers. And Lillard, as far as I'm concerned, is having a better season than Chris Paul. Chris Paul is averaging 17-9. and Damian Lillard, on the other hand, 21-6, also four rebounds a game. And Portland is a better basketball team record-wise. We always talk about we need to, we need to, you know, we need to to reward winning. Portland is winning. I'm looking at the reserves. Aldridge deserves to be there. Kevin Durant, questionable because of the injuries, but when healthy, obviously he's an all-star. James Harden deserves to be there. Chris Paul, I think Lillard, but. Uh, deserves to be there over him, Clay Thompson, and Russell Westbrook. And I think Tim Duncan, Cousins, DeMarcus Cousins, deserves to be there over him. But Clay Thompson's there for the first time, and I watched that game the other night with Clay Thompson. Oh, my gosh, the 37 points in the third quarter. He was just barely touching the ball, and it was just going in. It didn't seem like he had a firm grip on the ball and he was just going in. I mean, it's got to be feel good and feel great to have that feeling where everything you throw up just turns to gold. Everything you throw up just goes into it, goes into the hoop. That's got to be great. That's got to be great. And that's what we saw last night out of – that's the things that we saw the other night from Clay Thompson. That's what we saw from Klay Thompson. We saw a guy who was barely touching the ball and going in. But back to my original point, everybody can't make it. And it's going to be like that each and every year, whether it's the Western Conference, Eastern Conference, any All-Star game. It's going to be that way. There's going to be snubs. There's going to be guys who say, we belong there. There's going to be that. And it comes with the territory. It comes with the territory. There's going to be people who deserve to be there, and there's going to be people who don't. The Atlanta Hawks got a bunch of guys that made it. Millsap and Horse, Horford and uh, uh, Teague. They deserve to be there. They're on a winning basketball team. 
There was talk that Kyle Corbett should be uh Kyle Corbett should be a all star. Great season for Kyle Corbett, but he doesn't belong there. He's not an all star. Heck of a season, but he's not an all star. But let's go back to the NFL. We're gonna talk bringing a guy now who had a great season for the Minnesota Vikings. One of the reasons that the Vikings had some success last season is because of this guy. Let's bring him in now, Minnesota Vikings wide receiver, Charles Johnson. Charles, how are you, man? Hey, how you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on. Charles, I got to ask you this. We we all are hearing about the deflate gate situation with the Patriots as the Super Bowl approaches. What are your thoughts on it? Um, I mean... I really haven't paid it too much attention, man. I mean, it's – I understand the issue that we want everything fair, but, I mean, as for me as a receiver, I mean, I don't really – I really don't focus on the ball like if they have too much air or too less air. I'm just going to still catch it no matter what. That's my <laughs> that's my mindset on it. I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I think it's kind of – I don't know. It's, I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sure they get it all figured out and see what all happens and we all – get to talk about it, maybe laugh about it. Now we have the Super Bowl coming up, as we said, coming up on Sunday. Who are you rooting for? Are you rooting for a specific team, or do you have a rooting interest, per se? Um, I'm not really – I really don't root for either team. I mean, I think it's going to be a good, really good game, probably one of the best games I've, I've seen in the Super Bowl, I believe, because you're going to get – you've got a very good offense going against a, a very good defense, and I think it's going to be a great game. I think it's, it's going to be exciting to see. Now, I'm going to ask you later in this interview who you think is going to win. Let's get to your season now. Uh, Charles, Brandon Marshall, he called you a baller, and you had a lot of success as you started the final games of the season after joining the Minnesota Vikings back in September. Talk about what you did in 2014. Yeah, man, I mean, I was just blessed to actually get an opportunity um, coming off my rookie season where I was plagued with injuries. Couldn't see to get on the field and – uh. I was finally given an opportunity once I was healthy, and uh, Noah Turner and them gave me that. And, I mean, I knew what I can do with my ability in this game. I know my ability. I know I'm able to pr- produce when I'm given that chance. It, it's all about getting those opportunities, and uh, he was able to present me one this year, and uh, I just do what I do every day. We're talking to Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson now. Brandon Marshall also said that he wanted to work out with you in the offseason. Is that going to happen? Oh, yeah, man. I'm going to try to get down there to his little campy hose every year. And uh, okay. Teddy and a few of the guys go down there. So I plan on going down there to work with him. And he's a well-polished uh, receiver and a well-known in this league. And I just look forward to working with him. Okay. Now, let me ask you this now. I mean, you talked about your quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, and he had a solid rookie season. And it seemed like you guys had a little chemistry going on there. Talk about the chemistry that you and Teddy Bridgewater had. Yeah, we everybody thinks that we have Tom's chemistry. I mean, I don't really know what it is. It could be that he went to a school in Kentucky, and I'm from Kentucky, so we kind of have some type of similarities. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a guy he can trust. Ever since I came in, I came in and make big plays and practice, getting great separation, making catches, and making the difficult catches look routine for him. And, I mean, any quarterback that sees that, sees that a guy can get over so easily and – uh. He's not scared to go get the ball, and he has a, the ability that I have, and I and I show that to him. I think he just gets comfortable with it. And as we said, Teddy Bridgewater, he is your quarterback. You guys had great chemistry, but he also had a pretty good rookie year. How good do you think Teddy Bridgewater could be? 
Man, I think he can be great in this league. I think he can be he's just I just think he can be real, real good in this league. He's gonna continue to grow and uh, I've seen him grow grow throughout each week of the season and uh I always say he's a veteran in a rookie body and uh that's how he orchestrates as an offense. He likes to get things right, he likes to do things perfect and he likes to finish out reads after he already completes the pass and he just how he handles himself on and off the field, he's just well above well above uh Rookie standards, I would say. We're talking to Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson. And Charles, as we said, you started the final six games. You snuck up, snuck up on some teams last season, but next season teams are going to know a little bit about you. What do you do now to take it to that next level? Um, I mean, I'm just going to continue to play to, to my best of my ability. I mean, teams probably will know a little bit more about me, but that's that's just going to open things up for the other great receivers we have on our team. We have solid five, six other receivers on our team. And uh, if they want to guard me, I'm sure somebody else will be open. And if they want to guard them, I get open. And then we've got to stop the run as well. So, I mean, we just want to continue to work as a team and build together. And, and so one team can't just key on one person. We're talking to Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson. Charles, I, I look at you now and I look at your football team. I mean, you guys, 7-9, and nine, a decent season for the Minnesota Vikings. Looking back on your season and watching these playoffs, how close are you guys to being a playoff team? I think we're really close, man. I think we had all the right players we needed this year. I think we had a great group of guys that worked together. I just think there's a few games that we let slip away from us that we could have won. And I think if we won those few games that we should have won and uh, maybe at one or two others, I think we're in the playoffs. We'll probably still be playing right now, if you ask me, but – <laughs> it's all about winning those close games, and we let a few slip away from us when we should have won them. Now, you had the whole situation with Adrian Peterson last season. A little bit, it seemed like it could have been a distraction for your ball club. As a whole, do you get the sense that everybody on the team would like to have Adrian Peterson back? Hey, uh, if, if, if this was your team, if he was on the Vikings, wouldn't you want to have him back? I mean, for, for sure. Think about it. It's, it's a no-brainer. <laughs> it's a no-brainer if you think about it. He's, He's the MVP of the league. He's a great running back. Tremendous talent, man. And I mean, he's he's not only a great talent in the on the football field. He's a great person off the football field. I mean, people make mistakes. I for sure. I'd be lying to say if I haven't. And uh, I mean, I've made plenty. That's why in situations I've been in, I've made mistakes. That's that's human nature. And I mean, I just hope we get him back. With I wouldn't mind having him back. <laughs> I don't know. Who could argue with that? I mean, he's a very productive running back. And one of the best running backs in the game, probably the best in the game. Oh, yeah. Charles, you were a part of a strange transaction where you were picked up by the Browns from the Packers practice squad. And while you were on the practice squad with the Packers, you were practicing with a torn ACL. How did that happen? Oh, yeah, man. It's kind of weird. I, I have no idea how it all happened. I mean, I was drafted to Green Bay, and unfortunately, I was playing with injuries. And in training camp there, I hurt my knee like the second or third day. They told me it was my MCL. So I rehab back, came back there and to end the training camp and was able to do a little bit, couldn't do enough to make the team. So they was like, okay, get healthy, we'll put you on practice squad. So I'm on practice squad and going out there doing my thing, still complaining about my knee and still bothering. I had multiple MRIs and it still shows, they still say it's, it's your MCL and you have a bone bruise. So I thought, okay, I, I can go through it. There's nothing that could keep me off the field, but I knew something wasn't right and I mean, I practiced there. I was still doing my thing, balling. And then Cleveland calls, like, hey, we want you to sign here. We want you active. And 
I had had a prior relationship with North Turner's son Scott. I worked out with him pre pre draft and killed the killed the workout and me and him with the relationship from there. And when I went there, I was like, okay, I'm getting a shot. I'm getting my opportunity. I'm gonna be the guy. I didn't know I didn't know of any receivers in in Cleveland. That's when Josh Jordan had his breakout year. I didn't hear mm-hmm. of him before that. And I'm like, okay, I can go there and be the guy. So when I get there, I have my little physical, and the guy checks the doctor checks my knee, says your your ACL feels loose. I said, well, it's fine. I I just been playing on it. So got another MRI, and when I'm lacing up my cleats, they go run routes with the coaches. The doc comes and grabs me and says, you can't you you can't run routes your ACL torn. Wow. So it was crazy. It was a crazy situation. So we checked the previous MRIs I had, and it shows that my ACL was torn six to eight weeks before coming to Cleveland. I just had been wow. able to play on it. Wow. So you were you were able to run around and and, and do what you do with a torn ACL. Yeah, basically. Wow. I don't know how. I don't even know. I still don't understand, but I was able to do it. <laughs> We're talking to Vikings wide receiver Charles Johnson. Charles, you grinded very hard to get where you're at. Seventh-round draft pick. You were on the Packers practice squad. You were on the Browns practice squad. Ultimately, you overcame, overcame a torn ACL. Does that make your success this season all the more satisfying? Man, I mean, I mean, I know my ability. I know what I can do, like, like I said, it's it's all about getting opportunity, man. I was a late round draft pick. I mean, maybe maybe I should have been higher. Maybe with my ability, my 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 forty times, my verticals, the the stats I put up, I should have been higher. But that that doesn't really matter. It's about what you can do when you get here, and uh, it's not really when you're drafted. First first round picks can be terrible. Seventh round picks can be great. Undrafted sure. can be even better. So it's it's all about what you want to do when you get here. It's not about what round you're drafted really so much. And, uh, I mean, it's sweet just to be here. I mean, I, I can't I can't even express that much. People take for granted how hard of a league this is, how how difficult it is just to get one catch in this league. And I'm blessed to be able to just say I got now 31 or something like that. And for sure. To have that and been through everything that I've been through, it's a blessing. I can't, I can't take nothing from it, but I can't say that I've worked so hard, so hard to get to where I'm at and, when hard, when hard work meets opportunity, you create your own success. And I've always worked hard. Now I've got the opportunity, so I'm creating my own success. Now, you are out in the Super Bowl out there in Arizona. Is this your first time being around the Super Bowl? Yeah, this is my first time. How is it? As Man, expected? It's amazing. it's amazing. I'm just over here. I'm basically just over here looking how everything's orchestrated, how everything's going about. So when I do get here, I'm already used to it when I'm For on sure. that podium and everything in a few years and maybe next year. For sure. Now, Charles, let's go back to the game now. I got to get your prediction. Who wins New England, Seattle, Sunday night, Super Bowl 49? <laughs> ah, this is hard. I'm going to take Seattle. I've been taking Seattle every time every people ask. I'm going to take Seattle. I mean, I like their defense. I like their swag on the field. Uh, I know a few guys that play for the team, and I'm going to root for them. And I think Russell Wilson is a solid guy. He manages the game, don't turn the ball over much. And I'm just going to be excited to watch. I don't, if Seattle don't win, I won't be mad if Tom Brady and the New England Patriots win. But I, I'm, I'm going to pick Seattle. Are you going to the game? No, I want to attend the game. I'm leaving actually the 30th. I'm going to go home and watch the game. Okay. Now, Charles, you are on Twitter. Where can fans connect with Charles Johnson on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, it's at, at Mr. Incredible Four. It's spelled at Mr. M R I N K R E D I B L E X I I. So it's Mr. Inc. 
Credible 12. The 12 is with the XII and it's, and it's Inc. Credible, so it's incredible with the K, basically. Sounds good. Now, Charles, I, I saw a picture of you, man. You had the Odell Beckham hairstyle going on. You still got that? Oh yeah, I've been I've been having this since my sophomore year of college. Okay, okay. So Odell yeah. Beckham has the Charles Johnson hair hairstyle yeah, going he, on. Yeah, he got yeah. That, I had this for about about four or five years now. Okay. I cut okay. it off a little bit last year, and now grew it back. All right, all right. How yeah. long are you gonna grow it? Oh, I'm gonna grow it until I can't no more. Cause you know. Uh, my whole family, my whole family goes bald. All the boys in my family are bald, so I'm just trying to hold on to mine for as long as I can. <laughs> we got something in common because I got three other brothers, and unfortunately, we all are all bald. So yeah. I know the feeling. So, I know the feeling. I don't. I don't sure. want to cut mine off one day and it never come back. Right. Right. <laughs> so enjoy it like while that. you have it, because once yeah. it goes, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> Charles, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck next season. Let's do this again. Enjoy yourself out there. Oh, yeah, thank you. My pleasure. Take care. All right, you too. Thank you. Charles Johnson, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. We wish Charles nothing but the best of luck moving forward. I mean, he's out there enjoying himself in sunny Arizona. I wish I was there, out there with Charles. I mean, it's nice and warm and and beautiful and lovely out there. I mean, the, 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 it's Arizona. I'm stuck here on the East Coast. It's cold weather and snow. Week in and week out. Day in and day out. Wind's blowing like crazy. And Charles is out there soaking up the sun. In. Sunny. Beautiful. Lovely. Arizona. Willie Rose is out there, too. He's going to be joining us shortly. In beautiful, sunny, lovely Arizona. Having a good old time in beautiful, lovely, sunny Arizona. Kobe Bryant got his surgery, torn rotator cuff, expected to be out nine months. So we won't see Kobe for about nine months. And, and so I don't think we've seen the last of Kobe. I think Kobe's going to come back. I think Kobe is going to still be a, a – a, here's the thing. I heard Isaiah Thomas say that. And, and I think it's so true. Kobe is always going to be able to score. Michael Jordan, even when he was 39, 30, you know, he was able to still score. He was always able to still score the basketball. Late in his career when he came back with the Wizards, he was able to score the basketball. And Michael Jordan, one of the reasons, he, you know, his jump shot helped him. Kobe, you know, he has a jumper as well. But his jump shot really helped him. And Michael Jordan, because of that jump shot, because of his fundamentals, he's fundamentally sound. And because he has those fundamentals, those fundamentals keep you around. Those fundamentals help you to be able to score the basketball, you know, late in your career. I mean, Michael Jordan was able to score the basketball late in his career. You know, when he was 40, he able to score the basketball. And that's the greatness of Michael Jordan, 39. That was the greatness of Michael Jordan, his ability. I mean, his last two years in the league, his last two years in the league, Michael Jordan, 20 and 22 points. 22 points in, in 2001, 2002, and then 20 points per game in 2002-03. I mean, so he was able to still score the basketball even with you know the limited amount of athleticism. 
what hurt Michael Jordan, you know, 2001-2002 is he's probably the best player on that basketball team, a la Kobe Bryant, who at the age of 36 is the best player on a Lakers basketball team. So when you're the best player on that team, it becomes difficult for you because you got to carry the load. you got to carry the load. Your body can't do it anymore. Your body can't carry the load like it once did many moons ago. Can't. You can't carry the load. And because your body can't carry that load and you're trying to carry that load, you're, you're, you're trying to do whatever you can do to be successful. You're trying to help your team. You're trying. You're trying. You're trying. But the reality is the mind, the mind is saying yes, but the body, the body is saying no. Sound like R. Kelly, right? My mind telling me no. You know what I mean? It's the body. The mind is telling them yes. The body is saying no. And that's what's happening. The mind is saying yes. The mind is saying, look, I'm Kobe Bryant. I, 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 I put the ball in the basket. And I can continue to put the ball in the basket. You know, I can continue to be big time. That's what Kobe Bryant is saying. That's what he's trying to show. That's what he's showing us, or at least attempting to show us. But in the end, in the end, even though you're trying to show us, even though you're trying to do it, even though you still think you can do it, we all know, we all see that you can't. So, and and, and I, I said this last week, and, and I'll reiterate this about the Lakers, it's not, to me, a big-time destination. You know, we always say Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. You know, we, it sells itself. New York, New York, New York, it sells itself. But if I'm a player, I'm more inclined to go to New York than I am to L.A. I mean, Kobe Bryant is broke down, 36 years old. Last three seasons, couldn't finish a year. Achilles in the one year, the knee the next, and now the shoulder. And hasn't been able to finish the season. I can go to New York. Phil Jackson's there even though he's not playing, even though he's not coaching. But Melo is there. He's still a star. He's young, still fairly young. You know, they got cap space. You know, maybe they get, and they're going to have a high draft pick. So maybe that's my destination over L.A., the Lakers. Because the Lakers, your best player is 36 years old. Your best player breaks has broken down the last three years. Your best player is under contract for one more season. Who knows how much longer your best player is going to play? Who knows how effective your best player is going to be? And and those are answers that have, those are questions that have to be answered. They have to be answered. And Kobe Bryant, I mean, you, you hate to see a guy go out this way. I mean, Michael Jordan struggled and labored and tried to get the Wizards into the playoffs. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. Kobe Bryant struggling, labored, trying to get his Lakers to respectability. I can't say playoffs. There's no way Lakers were making the playoffs this year. No way. And it all went wrong when you tried Dwight Howard, when you tried Steve Nash. And maybe with Kobe not having a level of flexibility, not 
you know, him not really ingratiating, ingratiating himself to Dwight Howard, him not willing to, 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 you know, in some way, in some way, you know, Dwight Howard make the transition or, or, or not even being open to Dwight Howard in a lot of ways, not, not being receptive to him, not, uh, uh, you know, doing what he had to do to win his heart back. And then a part of it was coaching. There was an offense that wasn't about post players. Mike D'Antoni's system wasn't about post players. When that system was revved up and running, Steve Nash was throwing it to Joe Johnson. Steve Nash was throwing it to, to you know, Channing Fry. You know, they, they were shooting threes and running up and down the court. Quentin Richardson shooting threes left and right. Mari Stoudemire, raw at the time. But his, po- his, his post-up game was more of a face-up game. He really wasn't a big-time post player. And, and so they, they never utilized bigs the way you should utilize the Pau Gasol and the Dwight Howard. And, and so the, 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 mistake was, the mistake was not hiring Phil Jackson. And that's something that bit the Lakers in the butt because Phil Jackson comes in with credibility. Phil Jackson comes in, and he's respected. He throws those 11 rings on the, on the, on the, on the table. You're like, man, you're like, wow. Okay, I'll do what you tell me to do. Whatever you want, whatever you want, boss. Whatever you want. And so he comes in with immediate respectability. Mike D'Antoni had success but didn't win. So that move, in a lot of ways, has hurt the career of Kobe Bryant. Has has hurt has made these last few years a struggle for Kobe Bryant. Not having Dwight Howard. Steve Nash to trade that he just broke down. He broke down. That's that, that's just the bottom line. He broke down. And now, you know he's 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 done. What he's carrying luggage, messed up his back. So the the, the move that sent Kobe on this this spiral, if you will, downhill, was the move. The move by Jim Buss, the Laker organization, Jerry Buss. I don't know how much he had input at the time, but he was sick. But the move by the Lakers to make Mike D'Antoni the coach was a mistake. And it is something that has affected the career in a lot of ways of Kobe Bryant. It really has. And speaking of the NBA, speaking of the NBA, how about the Cleveland Cavaliers right now and the role they're on? Obviously, the Atlanta Hawks are on a roll. They're playing They're playing some big-time basketball there. They host Portland tonight, seven-game win streak. Couldn't make it 18 after tonight, but they're getting it done. Best record in the Eastern Conference. They're getting it done. But how about the Cleveland Cavaliers and, and you know, seven-game win streak? Kyrie Irving the other night, 55 points. LeBron James hurt. Kyrie takes over 55 big points. And you're seeing the trades that they made, the trade to bring in Miles Call, the trade to bring in J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert. I mean, those trades are, 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 are paying dividends. And you, you see Cleveland now playing 
big time basketball. What last week, maybe two weeks ago, they were twenty and twenty, and now they have taken off. They have taken off big time, and they're playing some big time basketball. And now it seems like everything has come together. Everything has come together. Eight game win streak, and it seems like everything has come together. You know, at one point what? January thirteenth, they were nineteen and twenty. They were a game under five hundred. And then LeBron comes back. LeBron was back for Phoenix and they lost. But, you know, LeBron returns. You know, Mozgov is there. J.R. Smith is there. And, and then they just start playing some big-time basketball. You know, going to L.A. and beating the Clippers. You know, beating the Bulls, who have been good on the road. You know, better on the road than they've been at home. You know, beating OKC, who was playing good basketball at the time. And, you know, making a run and a surge towards the playoffs. Beating Detroit, who was playing good at the time. And also, beat, you know, beating Portland. Kyrie Irving with 50, 55 points. LeBron, set out. So, you look at it, this team is peaking at the right time. And, and speaking of OKC, we've been waiting. We've been waiting and, and we've been talking about OKC and, and them, you know, making that move and, and getting that eighth spot in the Western Conference playoffs. And I'm looking at it. You know, OKC right now is three and a half out. New Orleans is two and a half out. So they haven't even leapfrogged New Orleans. But I, I look at OKC and, you know, Phoenix, you know, they're seven games under over 500. But they're playing decent basketball. They're playing decent basketball. Right now, OKC, you know, you go into New York and you lose – to the New York Knicks. That's a loss that you can't have when you're fighting for your playoff life. Life. You're fighting for your playoff life. As far as I'm concerned, this is not the East. If this is the East, we have nothing to worry about because the eighth team in the East is 19-27. So they would fit perfectly. Actually, if they were in the East, OKC would be the seventh seed. Right now, they're in the West, so they are the tenth seed. And who's coming out? We keep thinking Phoenix is coming out. We keep thinking the Suns are going to come out, but they're 6-4 in their last 10. They're a team who, they're a good basketball team. Seven games over 500, they're a good basketball team. And so we can't assume that they're going to come out. We can't assume that. But OKC, the margin for error, you know, becomes, your margin for error diminishes. Your margin for error diminishes. But here's the thing, and this is a big stretch coming up for um, big stretch coming up for the Phoenix Suns, where you have Chicago at Golden State, Memphis at Portland. So you got a four-game stretch there, where you're playing, you know, four playoff teams, four very good basketball teams. That is going to be an interesting stretch for. Minister for Phoenix. And being, again, that they're in the Western Conference, they can't, they, they can't mess around. They, you're in the Eastern Conference. You can't mess around. I mean, the Western Conference, you can't mess around. You can't do it. Because if you mess around, you're going to be on the outside looking in. You're going to be on the outside looking in. OKC, just looking at their next four, at Memphis. Obviously, going to the grindhouse, 
that's going to be a tough, tough basketball game. A tough basketball game for OKC to win. But then they have Orlando at New Orleans, uh, uh, home and away with New Orleans. And then you got L.A., just looking at the next four. The next four. They gotta, they, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge to see what OKC can do moving forward. But they can't be messing around. Your margin for error has, has diminished, has decreased. Your margin for error has decreased. And so you got to do and you got to play pretty good basketball if you want to be successful. They got 36 games left. They're 23 and 23 now. So 36 games left. 36 games left. This is a team that's 23 and 23 now. So in order to get to 49, which uh which uh who got there? That's what the Dallas Mavericks got to. So in order to get to 49, they're at 23. So in order to get to 49, they have to win 26 games. So they have to they have to play what 26 and 10, 26 and 10 in the final 36 to equal 49. 26 and 10. That is tough. That's tough. So you got to be, and you got to play pretty good basketball. And they're capable of doing it. But you can't have bad losses to the New York Knicks. You can't have that. Because those are losses that you look back on and you say, well, that cost us. That's the reason we're at home. And I always said, I said this, when when Kevin Durant went out and he was out for a period of time and Westbrook was out for a period of time, that I was concerned about whether or not OKC would make the playoffs. And I still have uh, that same level of concern because I don't think, I think Phoenix is going to be a, a team that's going to be around 49-48 wins. I mean, the rest, I mean, Dallas 13 games over 500. San Antonio 13 games over 500. I mean, Portland and L.A. are the same record. You know, Portland had the better record than L.A. Then LaMarcus Aldridge went down. Ultimately, he came back. But they had some injury issues. But ultimately, they do have the same record. So maybe Chris Paul should be in. No, I think Damian Lillard should be, in, should be in over Chris Paul. I think he's having a better season. But anyway, Dallas, San Antonio are good, I think. You know, you look at them, they're six games up on OKC, six and a half games up on OKC. So I think it's going to be Phoenix as the team that they're going to have to worry about. And you may have to worry about New Orleans because right now, that's why I said, New Orleans is ahead of OKC. They're ahead of OKC. They're ahead of them. And so because of that, because they're ahead of OKC, you know, they have to leapfrog them too. We'll see what happens. I'm interested to see what happens. But OKC is no given and no guarantee that they will make the playoffs. Let's go back to the Super Bowl now. What's going to happen? Who's going to win? And as I look at the game and and, and break it down and and, and think about some things, and again, I'm torn. I'm, I'm super torn right now who's going to win. I don't know who's going to win. Actually, I know. I didn't know for a long period of time, though, to be honest with you. It took me up to today to figure out where I'm going to go with this pick. And 
as I watch it and I look at it, I'm not even going to talk about X's and O's. It's not even about X's and O's to me. Um, obviously, X's and O's mean something, but and obviously, play you know players play ballers ball and they would get it done. But at the end of the day, as I look at this game and watch this game and, and think about this particular football game, I look at Seattle and I'm almost thinking that they might be that team of destiny, just the way things shook out for them, the way they beat the Green Bay Packers, just how magical that game was. It just might – and here's the thing. I remember last year, uh, what was it, when Ray, uh, Ray Lewis was going for the Super Bowl, the Ravens were going to the Super Bowl, and Ray Lewis was talking about no weapon, no weapon formed against me, show prosper, so on and so forth. And then Russell Wilson talking about God and, you know, you know, God has put him in this position and so on and so forth. You know, I, I, get af- I was afraid of that last time around. Now, ultimately, I picked San Francisco to beat the Ravens, but in hindsight, you know, I was afraid of that destiny thing. And I'm afraid that this destiny thing might be working for Seattle this time around. But we'll see. Let's bring in a guy now who did some big things in the National Football League, Hall of Famer. Willie Rose. Yes, sir. Willie. Hello, Willie. Joe. How are you? How are you? Having a good time out there? We're getting ready for the taste of uh, his Friday night event, like a, a meeting before the uh, taste of, uh, the taste of, uh, what's it called, the taste of, uh, the taste of the NFL event tomorrow night. So we're having a pre-event party. So we're just hanging out with the. I'm hanging out with the old time Hall of Famers and Bobby Bell and, and some of the great players that play the game. And they had a big deal last night. They gave a chance, a special day to us, to up to some uh, uh, military veterans that couldn't walk. So uh, it's been nice. So you having you having a good time out there, man? I hear all the hear all the yeah. sights and sound. I hear all the sounds. I can't see no sights, but I hear all the sounds. Let, let's get right down to it. Super Bowl, obviously, coming up. But before we get to that, Marshawn Lynch. A lot has been made about him not really wanting to speak to the media, not talk to the media. What are your thoughts on the whole Marshawn Lynch thing? Uh, uh, he, he, you know, Marshawn Lynch, is, 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 he doesn't want to, you know, he says he doesn't want any attention, and then he goes on uh he goes on the Jimmy Fallon, he goes on the Jimmy Fallon show last night with Gronkowski, so you know, I, I mean, he's drawing, he's drawing more attention to himself than, than he wouldn't be by, by not talking to the media. And if he did, if he didn't want all this attention, he would be talking to the media. So, you know, I, I mean, he's an outstanding football player. And uh, when it comes time, if he gets a chance to get in the Hall of Fame, he's going to wish he had been talking to the media. So they're going to hold, hold it over his head then. Did, did you not like how, – how was your relationship with the media? I always had a good relationship with the media. You know, I always talk to them and uh, I always call to them. When they call me now, I'm, I'm, I'm cordial with the media. So, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, unless, it, you know, things, things are out of bounds with questions, as long as we're talking about football and sports, then it's okay. You know, sometimes now with Marshawn, you know, they talk about his personal life, and I think, you know, he went through the situation in Buffalo and, and had some personal issues that he went through. So I think that's why he kind of, he's kind of mad at the media for some of the stuff that happened prior to him when he got a little bit of a bad rap. But he's really turned that around. And uh, you know, uh, you know, I, you know, I just, I just think he's too good a player to uh, to do that. And uh, you know, like I said, I hope he, uh, you know, I, I just hope he has a good game and uh, holds a long career. But he does have a lot of potential to be a Hall of Famer. Now, would it be funny and would it be interesting? Marshawn Lynch wins the MVP. Then he's going to have to talk. Might not have a choice then. 
What did you say, Paul? I said if, if Marshawn, Lynch, Marshawn Lynch wins the MVP, he's not going to have a choice but to talk. You're right. You're right. I mean, well, Paul, like I said, he said he doesn't want to talk, and he goes on and does the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the Jimmy Conlon on Brian's or whatever so he did. So he's getting more attention by not talking than he would if he were talking. Let's, that's let's, true. We're, let's say we're, that. talking to, we're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rope. Willie, I want to ask you this now. Richard Sherman, there was talk that there's a possibility he could miss the game because of the birth of his first child. If Willie Rope was in that particular situation, would you play in the Super Bowl or would you go to be with your wife or significant other for the birth of your child? He's not going to miss the Super Bowl. I will tell you that right now. There's no way he misses the Super Bowl. Uh, even if the child is going to be born, you don't put out. You don't miss the Super Bowl for that. So I don't think. I don't think he will. He's going to miss the Super Bowl. That will not happen. So you wouldn't miss the Super Bowl. You would be at the Super Bowl if that was you. He will not miss the Super Bowl for the birth of his child. He can. He will see his child a day later. He will not miss the Super Bowl. I promise you that. Okay. <laughs> Let's get to the game now. We got to obviously. I've been looking at this game. I'm kind of torn on where I want to go. You know, these two teams, Tom Brady. I don't know if Tom Brady and Belichick are going to lose three Super Bowls in a row. And then you got Seattle and that defense and that off and, and Russell Wilson, the way he's playing, and Marshawn Lynch and that team. What are the keys to the game team for you? The key to the game for me is Gronkowski, and the key to the game for me is is is. is is will will they be able to run the ball on on Seattle? If they can establish some type of running game to keep them honest, then that's gonna make it better. Also, you got Earl Thomas and Richard Sherman who had injuries last week. You gotta watch them because if they're hurt, I'm going after them. So guys right. are gonna be going after them. It's gonna be a physical football game, and now they're gonna be in the hold up for four quarters. So if I'm in that situation, I'm gonna go after them to try Seattle early and see what they see what they can do. But uh, uh, and try, try and go out to Richard Sherman. But it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan he draws up, what kind of routes they run at Richard Sherman, because I want him moving side to side. I'm just not going to run straight down the field. I want him moving in motion. I'm trying to get him moving around more. And I look at what, what San Diego did, what some of the other teams are doing to, get, to put him in motion and get him to run it. So it's going to be interesting to see how they call it. But uh, I don't see them losing three in a row. And, 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 and it, it, I think the pressure – the pressure is probably more, on, I would say, on Seattle to to repeat than uh, New England. On both teams, Seattle's trying to repeat, and New England's trying to uh, trying to win their fourth Super Bowl and then not lose three in a row. So it's pressure both ways. But um, you know, I think you got. I think both you know, Seattle's been there before, and you got experience on both sides. But I don't see Belichick losing three in a row. Here's what I'll say. I mean, I look at the Seattle defense, and I look at. You know what I saw two weeks ago against Green Bay Packers? Green Bay Packers offense is just as prolific as the uh, Patriots offense, if not better. And I saw a Seattle team that turned the football over five times. But even in the midst of turning the football over five times, they only gave up six points from those turnovers and held the Green Bay Packers to one touchdown. So That's I mean, That wouldn't have happened against New England. If New England would have had that lead in that game, they wouldn't have came back on New England like they did against Green Bay. That was that was kind of a fluky accident with the onside, with the cross pass body. They weren't supposed to win that game, Paul. And you know, nine times out of ten, they lose that game. But I will tell you this: if New England gets the lead on them, they do not come back and win that game. But here's also here's also something that's fluky from that particular football game: Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has never been an interception machine. He turned a fo- he, he threw four interceptions. 
That was his career high. I don't think that, that's something that has not happened when it comes to Russell Wilson. So with that being said, I mean, I don't see Russell Wilson turning the football over that many times either. I don't see him turning over that many times, but I do see him turning it over. So you do see I him do turning see them getting after him, and I do see him turning it over. So we will see what happens, but I do see him having a turnover or two turnovers in the course of the ball game. So we're going to so see. I, I think it's going to be a close game. I just think with the, I get the experience that New England has, I give them the edge, and that's just my opinion of it. And I think the New England, New England is going to win the game. I thought Green Bay was going to win the game, and it was close, but they did not win it. But I do see New England winning the game. What's the score? You got a score? 28. So 23, 24. 23, 24. So you see a very close game, maybe a field goal at the end or something, and you see New England win the Super Bowl. I know we talked about a double or nothing situation, a double or nothing bet, because you do owe me a steak dinner, and I think I'm going to take you up on that double or nothing. I like Seattle. Okay. Okay. So we'll see. We'll see. Willie, enjoy yourself out in Arizona. Are you going to the game? I'm going to make it to the game. Hey, during the festivities, I got a free hotel, free flight here. Uh, hanging out with the, old, with the old, old-timers. Soaking up to his knowledge, but I would not be going through that. Okay, well, it's great to be Willie Rowe for all that free stuff, man. You got you to gotta be loving life right now. Willie, pleasure talking to you, man. Enjoy yourself out there. We'll talk about Thank it next you. week. Thank you. Hall of Famer, Willie Rowe, soaking it up, enjoying beautiful, sunny, Arizona. We'll see, but I like Seattle. I, I, I like Seattle. A, destiny. I think it's des- their destiny to be here. B, I know Tom Brady's not Peyton Manning, but I still see the Seahawks defense keeping the Seahawks in the game. And here's the thing. I don't think Russell Wilson's going to turn the football over four times like he did uh, two weeks ago against Green Bay. And that's one of the reasons the Packers were able to get the lead in it. That's one of the reasons the Packers were in good position to win. That's not going to happen this time around. And I saw that Seattle defense. I saw that defense shut down that Green Bay Packer offense for the most part, holding Aaron Rodgers to under 200 yards, passing. I saw that. That's what I saw. And holding uh, – Green Bay, well, they're slightly over 300 yards total offense, slightly. But I look at Seattle. I look at the way they won the uh, NFC championship game, and I see a team that may be Destiny's child. And I resisted Destiny a few years ago with, with, with Baltimore and the 49ers, and no weapon formed against Ray shall prosper. I didn't believe it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get caught with that again. This might be Russell Wilson's time. This might be his time to win and his time to shine. Back to back Super Bowls I think will be in Russell Wilson's future. I like Seattle. I think Marshawn Lynch will have success. I think they'll get pressure on Tom Brady, even though the Patriots offensive line has been good, only giving up twenty six sacks this season. But this is a Seattle defense. That brings the pain. I think Seattle gets it done. I think Russell Wilson has a bounce-back performance. And I think Russell Wilson will be the MVP of this Super Bowl. I expect Russell Wilson to have a big-time performance. I expect Russell Wilson to bounce back. I expect Russell Wilson 
to propel Seattle to their second Super Bowl. My score, Seattle 24, New England 17. So 24 to 17 is the way I see it. We shall see what happens. Should be fun. Should be interesting. Should be so, so exciting. I'm looking forward to it, man. And I hope it's not what we saw last year. What, 22 to nothing at halftime? I don't want to see that. And you knew even after even after the first quarter was eight nothing, just the dominance of that Seahawks defense and their ability to get after uh, uh, Peyton Manning, their ability to make Peyton Manning uncomfortable. I see that happening this time around. I see an uncomfortable Peyton Manning. I see a Peyton Manning, uh, Tom Brady. I see Tom Brady moving in that pocket and grooving. I see what the Giants did to Tom Brady and why they had success against Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl, because they made him uncomfortable. They made him uncomfortable in that pocket. He couldn't do and just sit there and just go boom, 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 boom. He couldn't do it. And I think it's going to happen this time around. He won't be able to do it this time around. And, I, and you know, the question becomes Earl Thomas and, and Richard Sherman. They're going to get tested. I think they'll be fine, and I think they passed the test. I like Seattle. Again, 24 to 17. We shall see. Let's go to boxing real fast. You know, we we got another six minutes left in the show. Bob Arum, promoter for Manny Pacquiao, has said that a fight and an agreement is imminent between Mayweather and Pacquiao. Do it again. Kids. Pacquiao happened, just happened to be at the same game in Miami. This, this, they just happened to be at the Heat game. Come on. That's not a coincidence. I believe it was planned. And they happened to exchange numbers. And they happened to have a meeting privately. And they happened to work out or help or, you know, at least try to go over some of the issues that were preventing this fight. Happen. Bob Arum told the New York Post that it should be finalized, Pacquiao Mayweather, in the next couple of days. He said, quote, everybody is doing the right thing. We're looking to complete the paperwork. Everything is moving in the right direction. Hopefully the next couple of days it will get done. I know one of the big issues was the television portion. Mayweather Showtime, Pacquiao, HBO, trying to figure out that dynamic, the way they did it back in 2002 with Lewis and Tyson. Aaron went on to say, quote, I think it helped a lot, because, and he's talking about Pacquiao and Mayweather talk, and he said, quote, I think it helped a lot because we were all putting papers together, and there was still a question as to whether Floyd really wanted to do the fight or not. Based on the meeting with Pacquiao in the hotel suite, Manny and his advisor, Michael Kantz, were convinced Floyd absolutely wants to do the fight. 
This is the most, the biggest fight that can be made in boxing. This is the Super Bowl of boxing. This doesn't get any bigger, doesn't get any bigger than Pacquiao Mayweather. We have Pacquiao, I mean, excuse me, Mayweather De La Hoya. That did crazy pay-per-view numbers. The highest. This is going to do much more than that. What, two and a half million? This is going to do three plus million pay-per-view buys. The climate is perfect. The time is now. We can't wait no longer. We waited too long. We waited all so long. Just starving like Marvin for Mayweather and Pacquiao fight. We've been waiting for this for too long. It's time. They're both, you know, two of the pound-for-pound best boxers in the sport. They're both probably the two most popular boxers in the sport. This is a fight that is needed in the sport of boxing. You got to get this done. And here's the reality of it. Pacquiao's pay-per-view, pay-per-view numbers are down. Mayweather's pay-per-view numbers are down. Both of their pay-per-view numbers are down. So they need each other. They can make the most money together against each other. The most money can be made for Pacquiao and Mayweather if they fight each other, and hopefully it happens on May 2nd, 2015, at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. I hope. It happens. <clears throat> Excuse me. I want to thank Thomas Davis for stopping by. Make sure you go to his website, defendingdreams.org, support all the great things going on with Thomas Davis. Also want to thank Charles Johnson and the Minnesota Vikings for stopping by. And also want to thank Hall of Famer Willie Rowe for stopping by. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgam where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Hit up our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash go for can We uploaded some interviews that we've done last week with Deontay Wilder is up there. Gary Gilliam is up there, and also Barry Floyd is up there. So make sure you go to that website, youtube.com slash user slash go for can and listen to those interviews if you want to hear them again. And, again, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. For everybody here at go for we hope you have a nice weekend. Enjoy the Super Bowl Seahawks 24, Broncos 17. See you later. Take care. Bye.